Broadcasting from deep in the Eublifaris galaxy, on a small planet called Geconia, east of the albino hills and south of the raging leucistic river, comes the one, the only, Gecko Nation Radio. One and the only, folks. Welcome to another edition of Gecko Nation Radio. Today is December 7th, 2014. And tonight we're going to be doing a show all about rack building. And not just about uh, ordinary racks. We're going to talk about the best, absolute best racks that are being built today. And uh, there are several sources for the best racks and Paul Edwards from ProTech Aging is making phenomenal, phenomenal racks. And he's making some really interesting innovations that you don't normally see. So I'm proud to have him on the show tonight. And uh, let's go ahead and grab uh, our co-host, Mr. Tim Walton from Slice of the Jungle. Tim, you are live on Gecko Nation Radio. What's going on, Dave? How are you? I'm doing good. I got a little bit of the sniffles tonight. I was working down in the in the gecko room and uh, sorting through my worms and stuff. And whenever that happens, uh, even with the masks that I wear, I still, you know, it kind of gets in the air a little bit. And, you know, I'm allergic. I got a little bit of, bit of an allergy going on, but I'm all right for the most part. It's it's what you got to go through to, uh, to deal with your addiction. Are you there? Did I lose you? Yeah, no, I'm here. The the button hit the mute for some reason. Um, I was saying, you know, we <laughs> suffer from animals, and it's like, you know, some of us suffer more than others. Those of us that have this uh, allergy to insects and worms and roaches, uh, we really have a tough time with this. Um, you know, I, I have just bought, not too long ago, a $400 air filtration system. Uh, it works pretty good, but you know when you have the bad allergy, it's uh, you know it, don't, it only does so much. So, but I don't know. I guess it's the struggle that is the experience. So it wouldn't be worth it if it was easy. I think, right? Isn't that how life works? So, uh, I think it's just what we what we do for our addictions. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, it is what it is. How's everything going with you? It's busy. I um, unfortunately the other night in the rainstorm, I came home and I had uh, I had had food in my car, so I left the doors open for a couple minutes to try to air out the car, and um, I didn't realize it, but I had the Herpeticulture of Leopard Geckos, my Ron Tremper book, in the back um, pocket of the of the one of the seats, and I didn't realize it, but it got wet, so it's a little. Uh, a little beat up, but I was able to save it. Oh no, is that the original one? That's yeah, that's his first book, right? Mm, um, I don't know which one you consider the first. Um, well, the first one is the, the Herpeticulture of Leopard Geckos. The second is um, Leopard Geckos: The Next Generations. Right? Well, yes. Yeah, so in in that case, the first one. But he also worked with um, Philippe de Vaugelay on his first first Leopard Gecko book. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, where are they? That old one. So I'm not really sure how um we gotta ask him about that, how uh how he was involved how much he was involved with that book. 
Well, you know, I saw on, on Amazon one time, there was there was a little bit of a stir for a while back where people were trying to find uh, the original Herpet Culture Leopard Gecko book that was authored by Ron Chemper and Philippe, and nobody could find the original one. And it's I think it's like uh, 10 years old now, I believe. And uh, there was somebody posted one from Europe on Amazon, and they posted it for like four or 500 bucks. And I think somebody actually bought it, which is, you know what? I am i wasn't surprised that somebody would buy it because if you take this seriously, that's one of those coveted collector's item type of things that just goes along with a leopard gecko, leopard gecko collection, you know? Yep. I'm sorry. I, yeah. yeah, the one I was talking about was um, the general care yeah. and maintenance of leopard geckos. Um, oh, I thought that I Ron... I thought that yeah. Ron had had done something for it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just Philippe's book. Yeah, it may just be Philippe's. I, I collected all those too when I was a kid. I have a whole stack of those. Um, those are those are collectors' items now too. I believe we should really try to get Philippe on the show. I know we both tried to contact him. He can be tough to get a hold of, but uh, that'd be awesome if we could get him as a guest. But uh, yeah, I, I saw that. When I saw that the um, old uh, Tramper book went for so much money, I was like, oh, maybe it's not a bad idea to invest in a bunch of copies of this new book. Eventually, it'll be out of print, which it is now. It's out of print. Um, so, yeah, I, I stockpiled a, a bunch of copies, and maybe in 10 years, I'll sell them for 500 on Amazon. <laughs> make a few bucks. <laughs> we'll see. If not, maybe I'll just, uh, I don't know, give away his prizes or something in the future. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I saw it coming, and I was like, "Ah, let me grab some of these." But uh, so how was how yeah. was the show yesterday? The Hamburg show, yeah, it was good. It was interesting. Um, it didn't have the good turnout that I expected. You know, Ham- Hamburg kind of hard. It's a hard show to predict. Um, usually, the White Plains show uh, definitely gets the the crowd that has money that wants good stuff. And Hamburg is kind of like you know, the, people are always looking for deals and. They're not really interested in the best genetics, and they just want something to take home, and they don't, you know, they want to spend like twenty bucks. So, um, I don't usually bring a lot of my really nice stuff to Hamburg. So, uh, and I wish I did because this time I did sell a couple of my higher end geckos, and I wish I had more of the higher end. None of the really cheap stuff that I brought sold, but the high end stuff sold. So you figure that out, and uh, <laughs> it's just weird. But in New York, you know, it's it's more steady and more predictable. I kind of kind of know what I'm going to come home with and, you know, it's like, it's easier to calculate. But it was a good show. It rained, so it wasn't super hot in there, and usually it's, in the summertime, it's just like 115 degrees. I mean, there's no air conditioning, and it's all body heat. And perfect environment for somebody with claustrophobia and, you know, <laughs> and just gets nervous in crowds like I do. Yeah, it's crazy. But uh, we had a good time. With with the popularity of that show, I'm surprised they haven't upgraded the venue. I know, right? It, it could be so it could be so much better and different. But you know what? I was talking to the promoter, and she was like, "You know, people in the in the past we thought about doing that. And I think we even I think she said she even tried it once. But people are so used to where it is. I mean, it's been at that same building all these years, and you know, it kind of threw everybody off when they tried to move it." And I think they have a good deal going with the uh, with the people that run the building and everything. And it's just like, just put some air conditioning in there already. Yeah. How much money do they save uh, not splurging for air conditioning? 
Yeah, really. But you know what? It would make the show so much more comfortable, especially for us vendors that got to, you know, be there all day. And I mean, I still like the show. It's a half hour from my house. Hey, shout out to Gerard. Got to meet Gerard Gary from a uh, Facebook buddy. Picked up a gecko uh, that I had waiting for him. And uh, saw a few other people, too, um, that we normally see in the group and on Facebook. So, uh, what's up, Gerard? Thanks for tuning in tonight. And uh, the chat room's filling up nice. Looks good. Everybody's uh, hanging out. Um, so, I don't know, Tim. What are we, next weekend, we got a good... We got a big show planned, right? What's going on next weekend? We have our holiday slash late anniversary show. Right. We're going to be celebrating a year on the air, folks. A whole year. Definition Radio. And, uh, wow, the show has grown and done so well in that time. And if it keeps going the way it is, uh, I don't know. Sky's the limit. But uh, what we're thinking of doing next week is... um, I think we'll have, like, a bunch of giveaways and prizes, but uh also like to – I'm going to make, make making some phone calls this week and trying to get our sponsors and some of uh, our favorite guests to call in and wish us well and um, spread some holiday cheer maybe, you know. And uh, I think it'll be a fun show. So people listening to listening in tonight, uh, think about calling in and, uh, you know, saying hi next weekend. So we'll have the, the lines open the entire show. So – yeah, because we never really did a uh, a year anniversary show. Our year was in, uh, I think it was October, actually. So just never really put something like that together. So that would be a good idea. But, yeah. Um, all right. Well, you know what, Tim? We do uh, – we want to uh, – one of the whole points to this show is education, of course. And a lot of people that tune into the show are a lot of new people that uh, we sign up and we recruit and tell about the show and – uh, a lot of these people are enthusiastic. They really want to learn as much as, much as they can about the reptile community, the gecko community, and uh, what's the best place to to send them to learn all that great info? Geckoforums.net. That's right. Excellent. That's right, folks. Check out geckoforums.net. Uh, geckoforums is just a wealth of knowledge. It's been going for uh, since 2006 now, and especially for gecko enthusiasts, if you want, if you're serious about breeding and you're serious about um, lineage and uh, you know where the best genetics come from and uh, you know a big part of breeding is genetic purity and stuff like that, keeping lines straight, keeping them, you know knowing which breeders have the right morphs to get if you're looking for high end stuff and whatnot. Um, that's your place to go and check out into that history there. Uh, you'll you'll be surprised. You'll, and there's a lot of good drama if you like that too. Back in the day, a lot of people fighting back and forth, if you like that. <laughs> but uh, it's interesting. Well, what, so, I like, yeah, what I like to plug about it is that you can you can search and find very knowledgeable people posting yep. factual information and even look into a little bit um, of the person's background, who's posting. And if you mm-hmm. see something that you like, or that you want to follow up on later, you can. It's very easy to go back and find it. It's it's the opposite of Facebook in in those regards, where right. you know, whether it's good or bad information, it's gone tomorrow. Yeah, I mean there is a feature where you can save certain posts, and I just actually found out about that recently on Facebook. But I don't know. I mean how how involved on Facebook can you really be where you got to actually think about things like that, and save things. 
I mean, some people save these drama posts and then repost them and whatnot and stir it all up again. <laughs> but uh, it's interesting. I don't know. I'd like to see a shift away from Facebook. I really would. I really think Facebook is kind of making the community stagnate a bit and keeping us locked in this negative cycle. And uh, it's hard to really get a good perception of what's really going on in the community if we just focused on Facebook stuff. So hopefully in the future we can transition people away from Facebook more. And and I speak for myself too because I'm stuck on Facebook too because I don't know. It's like a lot of, a lot of us do our sales on Facebook and um, we do a lot of our communicating with other people because it's easy. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it's all that positive. What do you think about Facebook then? Um, I th- I think it's got its good points and its bad points, but in terms of um, you know, for for newcomers that really want to learn and get involved and and learn the get get off on the right foot, um, you know, there there's nothing better than than getting on the forums and and finding that good information out and not having to worry about you know who is responding to them and how knowledgeable those people are that, that are responding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, another thing, folks, uh, Gecko Nation Radio would not be possible without our amazing sponsors. And uh, our sponsor products are sincere. These people are really are the best at what they do. And uh, one of the things with Gecko Nation Radio is we try to advise you on the best uh, breeders, the best products to use, the safest stuff, of course. And, uh, these uh, plugs you're about to hear are no exception. Check them out and uh, patronize them and mention Gecko Nation Radio. They'll hook you up. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by... Reptiles Express is the absolute best live animal shipping company with great low rates. Debbie is the queen of customer service and will make sure your precious cargo gets to where it needs to. They also have a wide array of shipping supplies from deli cups, snake bags, heat packs, and more. Visit reptilesexpress.com and become a member today. Longhorn Geckos is a father and son collaboration. Daryl and Cade Burton specialize in the best Super Tangelos, Pastel Raptors, White and Yellows, and really nice wild types. Follow them on Facebook at Longhorn Geckos and on their new website coming soon. Ohio Gecko is famous for amazing tangerines, snows, and other very unique leopard gecko projects. Thad also has some incredible fat tail morphs available from stingers to starbursts. Visit him online at ohiogecko.com and at Expos in the Northeast. He is also the owner of GeckoForums.net. Dale's Bearded Dragons is your one-stop source for any reptile supply products that you may need, from Exoterra, Zoomed, Rapashi, Repcal, Fluker, and much, much more, and all at 20 to 50% cheaper than your local pet store or big chain pet store. They are also the biggest reptile supply distributor at most of the Northeast Expos. Contact them directly online at dalesbeardeddragons.com or message me on Facebook and I'll put you in touch with the owner. All right, folks, we are back. And keep in mind, AV Dragons has a standard 5% off coupon code for Gecko Nation Radio uh, listeners. The code is GECKO, all in caps. Use it at checkout for 
They're dubia roaches. They have the best dubia around. Uh, all right, Tim, what do you say we go ahead and bring on our guest, Mr. Paul Edwards from ProTech Aging? Let's bring him on. All right. Paul, you are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. How are you guys doing tonight? Oh, thanks. Doing great. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Oh, you bet. Well, well Paul, we usually start our shows uh, getting to know our guests a little bit, especially if they're a first-time uh, guest like yourself. And uh, what do you, why don't you tell us a little bit about your history in herpeticulture, how you got started, and um, what basically you know, helps you to get bit by the bug, so to speak. <laughs> well, that happened a long time ago. You know, I'm, I'm not only the first, this is the first time not only on your show, it's the first time on any show. So it's the first oh, for wow. me. Congratulations. For sure. <laughs> um, I, you know, I'm a typical guy that, um, as a kid, was really just super, super, super fascinated with animals. Um, just mm-hmm. really, really keen interest on reptiles and when I was in the third grade, my mom bought me a boa constrictor from the pet shop. Uh, local what a cool pet mom! Shop. Yeah, no kidding. I had I had to uh, I had to rally for that for months and months. But yeah, man, I was like the only kid in my school with an actual boa constrictor. I was like the cool guy on campus, and um, it just grew from there. I mean, I uh, I did have a good mom. I mean, she helped me do some. Um, Science fairs with at school, you know. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. They probably don't do them anymore. But everybody had a science project, and everybody, the whole school came down and looked at it on one day when everybody was done with theirs. And mine was I built this uh, with my mom's help. I built an aquarium uh, with a bunch of pieces of glass and a bunch of colored electrical tape. And she borrowed a desert iguana from some woman who had a bunch of them. And um, this was back when I lived in San Diego. And uh, and that was kind of like my first thing, that another um, connection through my mother who knew somebody who knew somebody who worked at a university and got me a rosy boa for free when I was a kid. So, I mean, all kinds of things like that. But uh, I grew up in Southern California, so it was a really good, really good uh, uh, herb type country and when I was 15, I moved to Omaha, Nebraska, and spent a quarter century there. And I really learned a lot about breeding there. Because for me, the biggest it was either going to be reptiles or music, because I was a musician at the time. And, and you know, I, I went towards music for a long time. And um, one day in Omaha, I ran into somebody that uh, was connected with this newly forming uh, herpetological society. And that was in the Nebraska Herpetological Society. And I started going to the herb clubs and really got back into it and uh, formed a good relationship with with a guy that lived um, in a nearby city who was a much further advanced herper than I was. And I learned just a ton from him. So, I mean, that's one thing for I, I know she recommended or you were talking about maybe there's a lot of newcomers coming to this radio show. And I tell you, it's the oh, same yeah. thing. I've been keeping reptiles for over 50 years. And if there's one thing that I really recommend people do is get to know people, if, you, if you're lucky enough to have a good herb society. If not, get to know somebody close to you that is, is your superior, that is better at keeping reptiles than you are, because you will learn from them tremendously. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, we try to do our best here, Paul, like, uh, you know, bringing the best information, uh, most accurate, most up-to-date, 
Um, I mean, that's something we definitely strive for, and I definitely think we're leading in in a lot of areas. And uh, we we want to make a lot of episodes that are kind of like go-to episodes. Uh, so people like they like for you know some topics that may cause some controversy, or for topics that are really important, uh, maybe it's a genetic topic or such. We put together whole yeah. episodes just to focus on those things, and I think that's important cool. for the future too. You know, content marketing. I think that's called. Cool. Oh, yeah, you actually yeah, have something to say, and you're actually saying it. This well, yeah, and you know, I, we, a lot of times we're not even looking at it from a like a marketing or a you know like a selling point of view. It's more of you know this you know this is good information. Providing information. Right, right. Real yeah. information, real that's, good information. And, and that's that's a hard thing to do these days because there's so much of it. You know, we yeah. have to filter it out. Yeah. I mean, especially with something like reptiles, there's so much information out there available nowadays, you know, because of the Internet and all that. I mean, it, 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 one of the biggest problems becomes how do you weed through and what information do you really believe? Mm-hmm. That's true. I mean, there's a and lot the, of there's a lot of bad information out there. There really is. <laughs> and, oh, and, and Paul, that's... That's why we try to get experts like yourself on, and um, we ask questions. I'm only an expert because I'm older than Dust. <laughs> you, know, you were mentioning Ron Tremper in his book. Um, I've got you beat on one thing, though. The, the the rarest book, the oldest book in my collection, is a book called Cobras in His Garden. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it. No. 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 It's a book that was, I think it's from the 40s, if I'm not mistaken. It's about Bill Hoft. It's one of the first books written about Bill Hoft down in Florida, the guy who had been bitten so many times. He just died here a couple of years ago at age 100 by self-immunizing with cobra venom, and he just saved you know, hundreds of people's lives and really worked hard towards the cure of polio and almost did it. But I mean, he was a, uh, a herbological treasure up until the time that he died here fairly recently. Hmm. But yeah, uh, Ron Tramper, though, is, a, is an excellent, excellent human being. And I've known him for years, and uh, just a, one of the nicest guys you'd ever want to meet. Very, very low-key. Has a huge operation. He could probably teach you more about breeding large-scale herbs um, on a budget than anybody than, that, you, that you could think of. One of the neatest animals Ron ever introduced, though, was the veiled chameleon. Yep. I mean, he always wasn't a, a, a big leopard gecko breeder. I mean, he really he brought he brought in a lot of neat stuff, and one of them was the um, one of the veiled chameleon. I remember. I remember when stir. they first hit the scene. Oh yeah, big stir when it first hit the scene, man. Like twenty years ago, right? 20... Yeah, about that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, well, I've been I remember reptiles those for a long, long, long time. I've been keeping reptiles for almost fifty years, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, I just as much um, in into the cage building, and as as the animals. Quite frankly, I've got a real passion for it. I always have. I was one of those kids that, you know, if you're driving along the road with your mom and you saw a an old refrigerator by the side of the road, you immediately looked and thought, "Wow, what kind of that'd be a cool size for a cage." You know, so that's kind of, you, know, you see a box or some old cabinets laying around, say, oh, man, I could turn that into a cage easy. That'd be great size for a cage, you know, stuff like that. And now we, so uh, now always, we, get, we get excited over rubber made and sterilized uh, tubs now. Oh, <laughs> right? usually, you know, you go walk into a Target or a Walmart and you go right straight to the tub section. But I've advanced since then. 
And now we got yeah. we get tubs that are actually made for reptiles, which is kind of cool. So yeah. that's, I mean, that's yeah. that's the that's the tubs we use now. Like mainly, we use vision tubs. Oh, vision tubs! Yeah, they're they're really popular. Vision tubs are good because they got a handle on them. Yeah, yeah, they're and they're sturdy, right? They're really thick, thick plastic. They, right? they really are. They're I think like twenty five percent more, or like twenty five percent thicker, and mm-hmm. they're really good tubs. Like I said, it didn't really I didn't really dawn on me until I was using another uh, the CB seventy tubs, and all of a sudden I switched to V seventy with that really nice uh, handle on the front of it on the short side of the box. And man, that makes a huge difference. It really does. I, I had no idea how much of a difference that would make until I started using it. The only problem with Vision is for the hatchlings, for terrestrial hatchlings, we use the uh, Vision V18s, and they're a little narrow. And, and when you set it side by side with the Freedom Breeder hatchling tub, the, the Freedom Breeder is, is built like a brick, you know, what house, and uh, it really kind of blows the V18 away. But um, there's a lot of tubs that we're really kind of selecting for, and you know, we don't build racks around sterilite tubs anymore, hardly at all, uh, because the tub sizes vary so much. It's really hard to make a rack for those tubs because a lot of the tubs don't fit or might fit in a certain hole, may not fit in another hole. You, you understand what I mean? And then yeah, they change right. it in a couple of years, too. Yeah, yeah, and and then they change on you. And so if that's the case, then you, then you really are kind of screwed, blued, and tattooed. Well, I mean, the rack building business has, has grown by leaps and bounds, even in the last decade. You would think, though, that they would make specific sizes specifically for the rack building manufacturers. Do you think that's? Do you think they're doing? I don't that know or? how big it really is. You know, you're comparing it to things like the jeans industry or the dog food industry. It's not very big, but when you okay. look at it, you know, there are several companies like Vision and Freedom Breeder that are making tubs that are just for reptiles. And yes, they do cost more, but yes, they're a lot better. And they'll last you a right. lot longer and you're going to be a lot happier with them. So it's one of those kind of decisions that you have to, everybody kind of individually has to make. Do I want to spend a little extra money to have that quality? And is that really and truly worth it? And, uh, you know, for my money, I, I've always found that the more money I could spend on something, the better it's going to be. Of course. And, you know, I read something in Reader's Digest a long time ago, and it said, don't be afraid of spending too much for a thing. Be very afraid of spending too little for a thing, whatever that thing happens to be, because if you spend too much money for it, yeah, you will have wasted a little bit of money, but money can be made up pretty fast. What you're getting, though, will do what you wanted it to do. If you spend too well, little money... What you, you, the thing that you're going to get is not going to do what you want it to do, and therefore you're going to trash it in the end, thereby wasting all that money. Then you're go, going back and spending it again. Like right. if you're exactly. spending some money on some really, really cheap racks. Well, they're going to last you a few years, and you're going to be you know, throwing them out and coming to a guy like me or somebody else and you know, giving, getting really good stuff where you should it'd be, it'd be, you'd be money ahead by buying the quality stuff in, in the beginning. It's just money well spent. Well, you know, you're absolutely right. And I think one of the things in a, uh, that happens, especially with beginners, is beginners really don't know how to navigate through uh, the products and figure out which products are the safest, which products are the best, uh, which breeders yeah. are the most reputable, and uh, which breeders have good genetics, especially. And and they they, right. find, they make a lot of mis- 
they make a lot of mistakes. I certainly did when I first started. And uh, well, absolutely, yeah, you know, yeah. And one of the things we, we try to do here is also to help help the new people not make certain mistakes. I, I want to create like a safe haven for people to, um, you know, understand that we're not going to have anybody here that's questionable or uh, shady, so to speak. We want people to know that you know the people that we bring on are reputable, and you know we more or less stand behind them. And uh, we don't want to bring anybody on the show that's going to deceive them or, you know, rip them off or anything like that. Oh, absolutely. They've, they've got to have a good, trustworthy source. Right, Consumer right. Reports, I, 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 try to yeah. strive for I strive for that. And, and you know what? It's partly because when I was starting out, I certainly made all those mistakes. I got definitely ripped off many times. I learned the hard way, and that's the way to learn. And, uh, you know, that helped me also. I tell people all the time, I said, I found the best people in this industry and in this community by getting ripped off by all the bad ones. And, you know, it, it's definitely true. Right. So, you know, and I think it's a worthwhile experience, too. It costs some money, costs some heartache, but you know what? It, it's worth it. And, you know, um, Paul, just seeing how you do things and knowing what I know about you, um, I can tell that you're putting 150% into your business and into what you're building. And, these these racks that you're making are thank incredible. you they are they're so thank beautiful. you very much yes they're so aesthetically pleasing they're so they just look perfect they look clean cut and you know it's just they look totally uh like elite racks and uh why don't you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to to make the best racks that you could possibly make well i'm not i am not motivated by money and and but when I say that I don't you know, means for everybody to try and jump in my pocket, but it, it, making money does not get me out of bed in the morning. What mm-hmm. gets me out of bed in the morning is doing something with a rack that is nobody has ever seen before, mm-hmm. and, and and making my product as high quality as I possibly can. And this company, I've been kind of limping along for about five years, and we were just about out of business and uh, really kind of having a lowest-step moment. And a friend of mine said, well, let's let's make a YouTube video. I mean, I was out looking for jobs and everything else. And um, and he goes, well, I said, you know what? I got, you got that 20-foot by 20-foot warehouse. Oh, that's impressive. What am I going to do it with? Your phone? Well, yeah, I got a phone. Okay, yeah, right, sure. Well, we did it anyway. And Sure enough, it got a lot, it got a lot of hits. And... Um, I got uh, an inquiry from Australia. So we put the deal together, and all of a sudden they advanced me a bunch of money, and I got to rebuild my shop, and I built a bunch of jigs just to get the products absolutely perfectly square. I mean, just all kinds of tools that I needed, machinery that I needed, and everything else. And so we have been rolling like crazy here in the last year or so. Uh, We just put... Um, the largest order that we've ever had out the door, which is enough product to fill up a 40-foot shipping container. And that is right now, as we speak, uh, somewhere between the United States of America and Australia on the sea. (laughs) And uh, so (laughs) I've I've given them the the full distribution rights to the entirety of, of Australia. And now we've got somebody in Europe that wants to be our distributor over there, and things are just really rocking, and that's that's been the biggest joy to me is seeing the product. And I, and I got a guy that is just absolutely horrible, horrible uh, employee, but 
<laughs> this guy is so good at building my products. It's just phenomenal. And we've done some things that um, that we I stupidly said, yes, yeah, we can do that, without really knowing what it goes into doing it. But in the end, it makes for a very, very good product. They wanted all the um, the heat um, strips that were normally sandwiched inside the material. Because I'll tell you about the material in a minute. It's hollow. Mm-hmm. Um, they want them all removable, which we really had to completely re-engineer the product. But it's really cool because, let's say, five, ten years from now, you have a shelf go out. Well, instead of having to just live with it, all you got to do is pull off the patch on the side of the rack, uh, unplug your um, with this little handy little plug into each level, pull it out, pull the new one in, uh, put the new one in, plug it back in, put the patch on, you're back in business. And there's all kinds of neat little things like that. And and a product has just taken a huge leap forward. And uh, I've got some really good professional photography done on it, and that's all over the website. And it's, uh, I mean, everything is really, really starting to happen. But, you know, I've never, ever wanted to be one of these. And that's why I don't, or one of the reasons why I don't advertise on Kingsnake anymore it's because it's a really low-end market, and my product is really a high-end product, to be honest with you. It's not cheap. Yeah, right. not the most expensive right. in the world, but it's certainly not cheap. And I don't, I don't go to try and make it cheap. I cut no corners whatsoever. Right. Uh, we, we, we don't spare any costs. I mean, we do it right. We do it, I mean, like what we were talking about this afternoon. I've been using FlexWatt heat tape for years. And, and by the way, before I go any further with that. I tried to use some of your conversation the other day. Man, what a failure that was. Good God. Uh-huh. I, I would never ever when I when I do um flex lot in the in the shelves for heated shelves, you gotta you know, for belly heat for lack of a better word, I never like that word, but for, for whatever that gives you belly heat. The heating is right. actually inside the shell so it's out of sight and out of harm's way. Um well instead of attaching it with the alligator clips, I solder it on. I mean, I think it's a very, very tedious process, but it is the best, the safest way to do that. And then we take where that solder is. I used to use this this tape that was about 35 bucks a roll, and it was, it was made for ovens. So it wouldn't burn or melt up to like 350 degrees. But uh electrician saw that and said, well, why don't you just put a dab of um, um, silicone? Layer silicone over that, and it, it just it just works fantastically. So, generally speaking, the problem the, the only problems that you're going to have with FlexLot, FlexLot lasts for years and years and years and years and years and years. The only problem that you have is where the where the FlexLot connects with the wire. And I think FlexLot, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, FlexLot would recommend that you solder. If you well, the two things that they recommend is. Uh, skilled soldering, and what I mean by skilled is uh, they yeah. they want it yeah, to be done by someone that's that knows how to solder. And um, yeah. if you're not skilled in soldering, you can really make mistakes. And then for people that can't solder it on, the uh, the they invented a complete uh, crimp connector that is very very good. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, no one uses though, it, but yeah. Well, unfortunately the. The right, correct way to use it is to use our the the FlexWatt crimp tool, which costs about seventy five bucks, and a lot of people yeah. can't justify that expense, so they wind up making their connections with vice grips and Lyman's pliers and God knows what yeah. else, yeah. and they don't yeah. they don't make their connections correctly, and 
then they have all different varying degrees of results with it. And over the years, they've blamed the product for that when it's really their fault because they're not using the proper tools. And, and, and in the long run, when you when you when you burn down a, a rack of animals or part of your house or collection, uh, how much does that seventy dollar tool really cost? What, what did I you know. say when you burn down your house? Yeah, if if well, you if you end up that, that's, that's, what, that's the point I'd like to make because you know you're dealing going cheap on something like FlexWad or anything else that has anything at all to do with electricity is a fool's game. It's a fool's errand. Don't do it. Get the best you possibly can buy. Right, because that, that, you're right. Best. I mean, you mess up with that stuff that can potentially burn down your house. Well, people so why would you want to go cheap? It'd be like buying a five thousand dollars stereo and twenty five dollars speakers. Exactly, and and a lot of people don't sense. understand. A lot of people think that FlexWatt is what everybody's selling. FlexWatt is the inventor of heat tape, and these other products are not FlexWatt. These are just imitations, and yeah. you know some imitate it, some imitate it better than others. But the FlexWatt is still the leading uh, innovator in heat tape technology, and I mean. Um, you know, I a lot of people uh, the com- the competition like to get on me and they say, oh, you're just saying that, Dave, because uh, you know you're a sales rep for Calorie to make a FlexWatt. And you know what? I'm saying that because I've been using FlexWatt for 20 years and 20 and FlexWatt built the reptile industry. If it wasn't for FlexWatt, there would be no big breeders anywhere. And for for anybody to like just abandon that product that got us all this way and and not stand behind it, I question. I question that a lot, and that's what made me yeah. when I start when I started seeing this imitation come out, and they were calling it FlexWatt. They were trying to deceive the, the community, and I had to straighten that whole thing out. And Caloric noticed my support of their product and offered me a job. So it's not like I, it's not like I get paid to promote it. I was already standing up for it, and because I'm one of those people that know the know the um, the benefits of using the best products and the safest products. And I don't want to take chances with my collection. And my, you know, I want no, to know. Not an area how, you want to sprint about. Yeah, I want to know how this how this product's made. How many certifications does it have? Is it being made with quality components? I, I want to know this. Is it ULS? Be able to. Right. I mean, uh, in FlexWatt, Calorique's uh, products are, is the only manufacturer in the world with a UL listing. Um, yeah. You know, the U the R the UR stamp is something the imitations get get. FlexWatt also has that too. But it's mm-hmm. uh, the UL listing in housing and construction applications, and our product is the same quality that that is. That that product is rated for as a 20-year warranty. So, you know, in the reptile community, we only get a five-year warranty because uh, there is no set standard yet. But you know, mm-hmm. still, it's it's good. It's the same. I've never product had any go out of you. No, no, I, I have old FlexWatt going back like 15 years and. Even more longer, and it still works. Yeah, I don't. I haven't plugged it in in a while because I've upgraded my racks. But I, every once in a while, I do, and it's still fine. It's it looks like it 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 was made. I mean, it looks like it's the same. It hasn't discolored. It hasn't like you know really? warped or anything. Yeah, it's the same. And I'm sure there's and, there's examples of it that's still still being used twenty twenty five years. How how long has it been out on the market? Thirty. Um, it, it was invented in Massachusetts. FlexWatt invented heat tape in Massachusetts 30, I believe it was 32 years ago. So there's uh, probably some that's, yeah. that's still working from 32 years ago. I bet you somewhere 30. out there there I is. I bet you there is. Yeah. And, but and anyway, I mean, if you get 10, 15, 20 years out of a product, I mean, if you got right. that out of a car, you'd be ecstatic. 
you, know, right. you get that and out of a so cage or replace. Flexwater or something can, like that. But uh, frankly, I, I hate to say this, but if I had my way, I'd force everybody to use radiant heat panels. Radiant heat? Well, that's kind of, you know, heat. you can't really do belly heat that good with that stuff, though, right? <laughs> well, you know something? It, it does bring up the argument, why, why do belly heat? Well, it seems like the more it, logical it's, it's way based to on do the theory it. Of, of, of because reptiles thermal regulate, correct? Uh, it's also based on the, the theory that heat rises, which isn't necessarily true either. Um, heat emanates, and, you know, it can emanate out to the sides and up and down. True. Yeah, you're right. True. I mean, true. Yeah. No, I've, I've I had mean, people that requested to heat up the back, which we used to do a lot more than we do now. And we, we do it heated yeah. in the shelves because everybody wants that, but... You know, quite frankly, I know people who won't have it in the, in the shells because they have, you know, ball pythons that lay their eggs on it sometimes, and once in a while they'll they'll lose a clutch because of it. But oh, you know, the whole I, I just, I'm just really always into questioning the status quo, and sometimes right. we we I mean, Philip Devotionally pretty much said you know thermal regulation is where it's at, and that's what reptiles do. And everybody just kind of bought a hook, line, and sinker. And sometimes it's good. I'm not saying it's not true, but sometimes it's good to go back and you know, question these things because, really, if, if they're such good thermal, especially snakes, if, if snakes were such good thermal regulators, why then can a snake wrap himself around a light bulb and burn itself to death? Yeah, not not notice it's getting too hot. They're like you know, you know Savannah monitors. They, they don't they Savannah don't monitors pain like we do. I can, I can tell you that. Right, right. But yeah, I, you know, of course, I would I would much rather have it heated on in the shelf because I think it just does a best, better job of heating. It's more efficient. Blah blah blah. But well, that's the you know, thing. a, a guy, a very 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 top notch breeder once kind of made a. a uh, an offhand remark one time. I thought I think I'm the only one that caught it that was there. Because it just seemed like me to me like we we bred more reptiles when we heated the room. And you know something, there might be something to that. So who knows what the cages hmm. of the future are going to have? But interesting to think about. You know, we've got a lot of um, innovations that we're going to be coming out. One of the problems that we have is there's no lights in our incubators, and so to see your eggs, to see, to check on the eggs, see if they've hatched, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes it's going to be unavoidable, but a lot of times if you just have a light that you can turn on, um, it, it might really save yourself a lot of trouble. And every time you open that door to the incubator, you change the environment of the incubator. And right. so what we're doing, we, we're going to hook that up to a motion sensor. So all you have to do is wave your hand in front of the incubator and the lights come on. And then we're going to put a uh, camera awesome. slash motion sensor. What? That is awesome. Yeah. I think it would be, and they, it's, it's it's pretty easy to do. Um, not that I want to get into too many uh, uh, of our secrets, but there's also little motion sensor cameras you can buy that that you could rig it so it'll um, it'll send you a text or something like that when the, when the eggs are hatching. That's awesome. That is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, there's all kinds of stuff we're thinking of, and that's what really, really turns me on more than anything else. I got to tell you, <laughs> you know, I love doing big right. orders and everything else, but you know, uh, I love running the business and promoting it, which is my forte. Um, I'm well, trying to work myself those, out those, of the shop as much as possible. What? 
Yeah, well, you know, you know, Paul, it's going to be those little innovations and those little things that definitely are going to set you aside. And I'm sure, you know, you'll be the first one to do it and others will follow you. But, um, you know, those those little things, I mean, yeah, those upgrades will cost a few bucks. But, I mean, imagine, you know, being able to be at work or at your real job, so to speak, and, you know, you got an important clutch about the hatch. You really don't want to miss it. You know, it's something time sensitive or whatever, or you can yeah. something that you want to get home to right away. Um, to get a text that your your eggs are hatching, I mean, that's so cool. That's amazing. Isn't that cool? And there's we've yeah. got a whole list of stuff we're going to be coming out and doing. But I mean, that's that's the thing that really that really turns me on the most is doing stuff that no one has ever done. You know that mm-hmm. for the first five years of our company, we did 100% custom work. 100%. Mm-hmm. Now we're kind of moving yeah. towards standard sizes because it, it just makes a lot of sense from a manufacturing standpoint. And I know enough about what to offer. You know, it's just about have something for everybody. Um, but we'll still do custom, uh, but we are moving towards standard sizes a little bit. But I really enjoy running the company, really enjoy dealing with people, do not enjoy dealing with technology. Um, although I do every day, all day it seems like, but uh, I'm not a real big, you know, techno guy. But uh, yeah, you're gonna start seeing us seeing our company a lot. We're we're redesigning the website. We're gonna be going through a complete complete overhaul of the website, starting from the ground up um, okay. with the, with the good photography, and we're gonna have a really nice uh, YouTube channel. We're gonna I think we're gonna invest some money in some uh, some recording equipment and some some video recording. <laughs> you know, lights and umbrellas and all that kind of stuff to make some good YouTube videos. Awesome. Because, you know, quite frankly, it's all about videos these days. I mean, yeah. Really you, is, but. Well, it's all about editing the videos, too. Did you see the video that uh, um, Steve, our media media man, has made for the promo for, for the show? Did you get to see that thing? That we put no, I did not. I posted it on the ProTech pay, uh, Facebook page for you for the, and for your followers to, so they could know about the show. Um, he did a really nice promo video. We do a promo video just about for every uh, guest that comes on the show. He spends a lot of time. I saw on that the on the Facebook page today, but I guess I didn't see the video. Oh yeah, he put I, and I asked the guys, "How did that get there?" Well, they put it there. He may be a good. I mean, if you're looking for someone to edit videos, he may be able to help you if he has time. He's, he does phenomenal video work. And, oh uh, really? Yeah. Oh, oh my cool. god! Yeah. Cool. Just, yeah, go on the go on the Gecko Nation Radio Facebook page and check out the promo video. He's, the way it. The scenes transition, and it's just like it's a slideshow on steroids. But the way he does really? it, it's just yeah, it's seamless, nice. seamless. And he's See, in the, I love, the chat I love room, that so. kind of production work. I really do. I, yeah, I, I, it's just there's so much. I mean, you know, and I, I'm seeing this all happen in front of my eyes, and I've wanted it to happen for so many years. It's good. It's good to see. It really is. But um, mm-hmm. our company's making leaps and just leaps and bounds with that sort of thing, and that's kind of the wave of the future because, you know, the biggest problem that I have, quite frankly, is we we make world-class cages, racks, and incubators. And um, the biggest problem that I have is getting the word out there, you know, because right. advertising costs money. We're just got done, and we're not quite done with building our infrastructure. You know, I need to move this thing into a warehouse. I'm not in a warehouse yet. I've got a big old huge garage. Uh here, but I mean it's nowhere near big enough, and you know it, it all costs money. You know, and uh, we're going to be moving to a warehouse, and there's one piece of equipment I need to get. It's a adhesive dispenser. It's about five grand, 
and uh, and we'll be doing some more jigs, and we'll be ready to roll some big time production. Now it's like, you know, we're going to build like one or two or three orders at a time. So we need to we need to expand and build that infrastructure a bit. But um, the product, you know, for the very limited amount of people who have stumbled onto it, uh, has the, I mean, this is the, probably the most sellable product out there. And I've been studying this for a long time. And you know, I, I when I go back to for example, all the reptiles magazines um, mm-hmm. that I have since they started. And looking at all these old ads from all these cage companies that came and went, and just about every single time you can look at that and say, why did that company fail? And it's almost inevitably, and there's probably other mitigating circumstances, but in almost every case there's something funny about the way the product looks. And I know form follows function, mm-hmm. but on the same the same token, if 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 a product is not sellable, then you're not going to do well. And my product is, in my opinion, in any way, very very professional looking. And, oh my god, uh, it, it's, it's, it's among the it's best. Just, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, it, it's it's just I think I've got a winner because it's a good looking product. Let alone the fact yep. that it's just phenomenal. I mean, we—I mean, everything is built into these products that we can think of after 50 years of keeping reptiles. And interestingly enough, a lot of my my better ideas have, have not come from me; they've come from my customers. But um, which I guess is a good thing. But um, um, I don't know. Jump in. Well, I lost my place. Yeah. No, that's okay. I go off on tangents too. But, I found myself um, kind of rambling. Yeah, well, that's all right. Um, we all ramble, but the point is you're you're making amazing racks. And what I like about yours is I like the fact that you're using white PVC. It's PVC plastic, right? Is that what it's made It's of? 100% pure PVC, not PVC. Nice. You know, a lot of these racks that most of these manufacturers I call – um, sheet goods manufacturers, and I'm not putting them down or anything. They have their place, um, and and they're designed to be inexpensive. And I'm a right. strong believer that you get what you pay for in life. Um, it's a lot more work to put my stuff together because it comes in long planks, and I've got to cut it down and everything else. Um, whereas one manufacturer takes a, a sheet of plastic. Let's say you got a four feet, four foot cage. It's a four foot piece of plastic. You make one, two, three, four bends in it, and now you got your bottom, back, and top. You slap a couple sides on it, and you got a cage. And then bolt a, mm-hmm. bolt a, a couple hinges and a piece of plexiglass on it, and you got a cage. Well, this is far more intense than that. I mean, there's so many processes and steps within the process that we have of doing just literally everything that we do. You'd be amazed at all that goes into this. But... Um, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think the quality of a thing depends on a couple things. It, it depends on the material that it took to make it, and it depends on the effort that it took to make it. This material is the best material on the planet to be making cages, racks, and incubators out of. I firmly believe that from the bottom of my heart, mm-hmm. and that is why I'm in business. One of the reasons why I'm in business because I believe in this material so well. It's hollow on the inside. It's actually made for um, hog confinement. So during furrowing season, farmers will buy this stuff. It comes 21 feet long. And 
so they'll make big um, pens out of it. And so it's really sturdy. I mean, it's really strong. And since it is hollow, it um, it captures air, and that is what insulation does. It captures all that that hairy kind of fibery stuff. If you ever put the insulation between the studs, if you're making a wall or something like that, um, right? That's what insulation does. Is it traps air, and so this material actually traps air. So these cages are insulated at least to an extent. I don't know what kind of R factors or anything like that, but I can tell you that they're very, very slow to, to, to cool down, like in the evening, and very, very kind of slower, anyway, to heat up. So it, it's, it's a little more natural. And since they're so efficient in holding in the, the humidity and the, and the temperature, it's really, they're almost kind of like supercharged, and you got to kind of get used to it because they don't take anywhere near as much energy to heat than regular old standard cages. Yeah, but I mean, there's, I mean, it's, so they've kind of got that going. That's kind of a, a point that's really kind of actually been lost in the whole thing. But yeah, these are actually insulated cages, and that's pretty cool. It really is. Um, yeah, we're designing a lot of different lines. We're going to be coming out with a venomous line. My son happens to be a big venomous guy. He likes elaphids of all things. And so we're designing cages and, and, and products just for venomous keepers. I don't know how well that's going to go over, but you know, because the venomous keepers are notoriously cheap, <laughs> but to kind of like three million people, they're just cheap, 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 cheap people. Anyway, um, but I mean, there's going to be carpet pythons cages, and there's going to be some chondro uh, cages that are specifically designed for chondro pythons, and just we're going to get into specific lines of things. Um, yeah, we've well, got all you, kinds of plans. Can you tell us? Can you tell us a little bit about how, um, if someone was to order um, uh, one of the cages on your website, um, when they get it, it, does it is it assembled, or do they have to assemble it uh, when they receive the package? Tell us a little bit about that. You couldn't assemble this unless you were as good as me, and that's not all that hard to do. <laughs> but you would have been, been doing it for a long time. No, the trick is into assembling this, to be honest with you. Uh, this is not a product that lends itself well to knockdown. In other words, I'm going to mail you, you know, a couple sides, a bottom and a top and a back, and your face frame and door, and that's it, and you put it together. This is not that whatsoever. This is every every inside corner is sealed, uh, adhered, sealed, and uh, these things do not leak. Um and so we go to go through great um, effort to put these together and make sure they're put together perfectly. Unless you had a really, really nice jig to do, to do this in, it would, it would look horrible by the time you got it done. So, no, everything comes fully assembled. All you have to do is plug in. We'll do the thermostats for you if you want us to, um, or most people have their own thermostats. We're going to do that someplace else. But we're coming out with a line of uh, mounts for all the different thermostats, so they'll mount on top of the cage or rack in front, so you got at a glance, um, you can tell all the cages and racks come with a probe, and incubators come with a probe port, so you got a place to put the probe. Um, and so, no, everything comes ready to to really plug and, plug and play, if you will. Uh, plug it in, put your animals in, and you're ready to go. As long as you have a thermostat, you 
absolutely, definitely, 100% need a thermostat. Okay, and then also in terms of the um, tubs, we talked earlier a little bit about the tubs. Um, do the do all your cages come with tubs, or is that, that an option that the uh, customer could purchase on their own? Yeah, it could be done either way. Uh, you're talking about racks, not cages. And by the way, the all the cages, I do make some single cages. I'm really not real big on it, so the vast majority of cages that I make come in what's called a cage complex. And it could be two cages in one unit, three cages, four cages, five cages, whatever you want in one unit. They do not come apart. It's much, much better to build them that way. But for the tubs and the racks, um, we're starting to go a lot more, as I, as I mentioned earlier, a lot more um, along the lines of a standard. Like we've got a V70 rack. And it's 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 one of his houses, 11 V70 tubs, and it comes with the tubs. The price with the tubs, or let's say you you have a bunch of them and you want to do the CB70 instead of the V70, that's fine. We can do just the rack. It doesn't matter at all. Uh, one of the reasons we like to have the tubs here, and we insist on having at least one tub of the shipment that you're going to be getting them from. By the way, um, so just to make sure, I mean, we have spacers for everything, but just to make sure. Nothing's changed. We insist on having at least one tub here, if not all of them, hopefully all of them, um, when we go to build it. Because the last thing you want to do is build one of these things. And, oops, I built it a little bit too tight. These tubs just came in, and, and gosh darn, they're just a little bit bigger than they were on last run. You know, because they're building molds, and they have several different molds. And, yeah, they're, they're supposed to be the exact same, but they, they're not always. And like you mentioned earlier, I mean, they do change once in a while. So I really want, if you're going to order somebody, if you're going to order a bunch of subs from Vision or whatever, uh, that that somebody has them sent here, then when they're shipped to, to you, they have all the subs in them. Does that answer your question? Hey, Paul. Yeah, yeah. I think it yeah. does. Hey, Paul, I was uh, on one of your uh, racks, I see that you have a crystal clear, looks like a big uh, square uh, tub that pulls out, I guess. But it's crystal clear. It's not like that opaque uh, stuff that's hard to see through like most of the Vision tubs. Um, what what kind of tub is that? Well, we've got two different sizes of them. Or what, what you're talking about are the arboreal racks. and we got two different sizes of them. And there's the hatchling one, which is short side out, which I love. God, I wish I had one right now. As a matter of fact, I just got some leucistic Amazon tree boas. But at any rate, I digress. Um, the one you're talking about is for the medium size. It'll handle, you know, medium size chondros, emeralds, Amazons, you know, stuff like that. And those tubs in both cases are critter keepers. Oh, okay. Are you familiar? Are you familiar with critter keepers? Absolutely. Yeah. They're they're in just about every pet shop. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they're not real expensive. Uh, they're not real good. They're not you know, polycarbonate good by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, polycarbonate boxes are the best. They're quite pricey. And, and I've, I've built many racks around, you know, for, for people who come to me and say, hey, I, I want to use this polycarbonate tub, build me a rack around it, no problem to send me one or send me the batch of them so when we're done we can photograph it um, with the tubs in. Um, but... Yeah. Uh, you know, just for the sake of cost, these critter keepers aren't bad. 
and they're easily easily replaceable. Um, mm-hmm. They don't seem to change all that much. But uh, that was a very, very narrow rack because that size of Critter Keeper, and I don't have the exact dimensions right right on the tip of my mind, but it's from front to back. It's a very, very narrow rack, so it can tip over really easy. So if you're going to get those, you'd almost have to make sure you secure them to the wall somehow. Um, we don't even know if we're going to keep making that rack, actually, just for that reason. If, and if we do, it'll probably be a short side-out rack. In other words, as you're looking at the rack, the short side of that tub is facing out, not the long side. We've, we made the long side of that box face out because, you know, for arboreal stuff, usually arboreal animals are really beautiful, especially right. condors and emeralds, you know, but even Amazon. Yeah, you want to show them off. Exactly. They're really more of a display stuff, whereas, you know, you got a rack full of, you know, het ball pythons, you know, who wants to display those? Who cares? And that's where some of the LED lighting <laughs> things are, or, or a bunch of uh, head, uh, leopard geckers, you know, who cares, you know, what they look like. But, you know, if you've got a bunch of uh, green tree pythons or something like that, you know, you really want to display those well. You know, and it's one of the kind of a hybrid between a cage and a rack that we're going to be building. Um, we, we want to build racks that are, at least arboreal racks that are lighted. So you don't have to. It's a, it actually is a rack, but it is a lighted rack. And that's well, you know, probably. it's 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 a shame though that you know we can't get these vision tubs in crystal clear plastics. Yeah, I know it really is. It really is because I love clear plastic tubs. I would. Pay I, I never envisioned I myself triple. having a collection of being able to walk in and do do nothing but racks. You know, I like walking in. I'm an old arboreal guy. I like walking in and, and, and looking at and being able to stand there and look at my animals. So I'm a big advocate of cages over racks. However, I'm, I am a realist. <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. a lot of my people, a lot of my customers are buying racks for me. So, you know, but uh, but I, I'm a big guy. I, I know as a leopard gecko breeder, you probably don't have one cage with leopard geckos in it, do you? Um, not anymore because I'm breeding so many. I have to, you know, for efficiency, it's all racks. But yeah, I would. Yeah, you gotta have racks. I mean, you know. Yeah, um, I would like to be able to 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 see inside each tub, though. You know, without having to pull it open all the time. Well, what kind of tubs do you guys use? Um, well, a lot of people that buy their buy professional racks, they they come with visions, or they have to buy the vision tubs. Uh, I build my own racks, and I buy. uh, uh, Sterilite 28 quarts uh, from Target uh, for my breeder racks and stuff. Uh-huh. But uh, you know they're not. You can't see through them. They're very. You know, it's like. So you're the kind of guy, a kind of guy like me, is trying to change. You know, I, well, I'm, I want to evolve. <laughs> yeah, I want to. Uh, <laughs> you just haven't evolved yet, David. I We're know, gonna have to get you evolved here. But you know, I tell you, a really cool tub is the Vision V35. Man, that's a cool thing. Have you ever used that for leopard geckos? No. What is it? What is that like? I would think it'd be perfect. It's, it's twenty by fifteen by six. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, cool, man. yeah that's... It's actually five and three quarters or something. But I mean, it's. I've got my baby bloods. I've got not well, baby razor bloods, carpets, all kinds of stuff in them, and and uh, God, I think for leopard geckos, it'd be perfect. For a lot of the hmm. leopard gecko readers, use a lot of the old Rubbermaid 28-quart tubs. Yeah, that's pretty much what I'm doing. Hey, uh, Is that right? hey Paul, do you want to stick with us for a little longer? If we take a quick break, uh, come back for a few more questions afterwards? Yeah, that'd be fine. If 
you know, we're not boring everybody to death. No, we're not. We're doing, it's an excellent <laughs> show. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's take a quick sponsor break, and uh, we'll be right back. Hang in there, folks, for more uh, okay. talk with Paul from ProTech. All right, cool. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by Gecko Boa Reptiles is your source for the highest quality leopard gecko morphs and wild types. From white and yellows to radars, amazing tremper morphs, and rare subspecies. John is a world-class breeder and extremely knowledgeable. If you're looking for something truly special in geckos, contact John Scarborough at geckoboa.com and on Facebook. Rainbow Mealworms is the largest worm grower in the world and selling to the public since 1956. If you need the highest quality mealworms, superworms, and crickets for your pets, contact them at www.rainbowmealworms.net. Ron Tremper is the biggest contributor to leopard gecko morph making, known worldwide for his amazing examples of living art. You can now download his leopard gecko care app, his morph encyclopedia app called leopard gecko pro, and visit his site leopardgecko.com to see where morphs are made. Supreme Gecko is a great source for crested geckos, day geckos, and other species, including micro geckos. Wally Kern is a top-notch breeder and gecko enthusiast. Visit SupremeGecko.com for his available animals and supplies. ABDragons.com is your source for the highest quality dubia roaches, whether you're starting a colony of your own or just need feeders for your insect-eating herps. ABDragons.com can't be beat in quality or price. They are also a huge distributor of FlexWatt reptile heat tape and have very competitive pricing. Check out abdragons.com online and on Facebook. Okay, we are back. And uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in tonight. Uh, Tim, I know, Tim, you have some questions uh, for Paul. Go ahead. Yes, Paul, I just wanted to talk to you about, you know, we we spoke earlier about the radiant heat panels and the... Um, FlexWatt, how um, how does it work? Um, do you offer the, the rack systems with the radiant heat, or is that just for the no. caging? No, that's just for cages. Um, with racks, there is no radiant heat panel that is the right size. And, and quite frankly, you would have to have so many different sizes, it just wouldn't be practical, and it would be very expensive. Traded heat panels, I mean, they're, I mean they just took a pretty big jump in price here recently. I, I get mine from Helix, uh, and I build a shroud around them. You can see it on the website. But radiant heat panels are by far the cheapest and safest and, in my opinion, the best kind of heat to give to reptiles. Uh, the founder of Helix, which is, to my knowledge, the first company that came out with radiant heat panels, a guy named Roger, um, died several years ago, but the guy was brilliant. And uh, he was a big tortoise guy. And so he built them to hang down in tortoise uh, enclosures. And with the probe just hanging down just about an inch off the ground, you know, so if a if a tortoise would walk through the probe, the probe would just, you know, just go where the probe needs to go. But um, 
No, rated heat panels are, are very expensive, but I think in the long term would probably save you money. And they're very, very easy to install, and they're very, um, they're very, very safe and very, very efficient. And um, tell us, when you build the racks, um, is, the, is the flex watt, um, do you build a, a channel on the, on the bottom of the shelf for the flex watt to go into? Oh, God, no. We're way advanced. What, much more advanced than that. Um, no, that's, that's, that, that started in the 1970s when someone thought that idea. It was probably the same guy that thought melamine would be, would be a good uh, um, material for this sort of thing, which is somebody who didn't know what they were doing. Um, the, the, the material that we build all of our cages, racks, and incubators out of it's called a hollow core PVC, and it comes in 21-foot-long by 20-inch wide by 7-8-inch thick panels. So it's about the thickness of 3 quarter inch plywood, if that helps. The thing about it is, and one of the things that made it, makes it so good, is it's hollow on the inside. So that means, and every two inches, there is a rib that runs lengthwise inside of the material, and that's what makes it, and that's what gives it its strength. So one of the tricks is we have to remove one of those uh, one of those ribs. And if you've got a shelf that's going to take a heat panel, and that shelf is four feet long, that's a very very big tough job to do. Um, we figured out a way to do it safely, um, and what happens is, and we could do it on any rib in that shelf. We always put it on the back. So we got a four-inch space or cavity, if you will, inside that shelf towards the towards the rear, towards the back of the shelf. That what happens is we take a piece of flex watt and uh, we put that piece of flex watt onto a piece of plastic that slides into there, uh, into that cavity, and. Um, it's all wired up, and all the wiring for everything is going on one side of the rack. And if you see the pictures on the website, you see that long floor-to-ceiling type, the length of the, the size of the rack patch on the side. That's what's covering up all that electrical wiring. And so even the, the all of the levels of all of our racks are heated, by the way, even the top level, because every level in, in the rack is heated on both sides. Do you understand? Oh, yeah. It, it not only has the heat on the floor, but the shelf above it is the floor to another level, so that's heated. So every tub in that rack has got heat on both top and bottom of any rack that's got heat like this. However, because we're able to run that heat on the inside of the um, the uh, uh, the shelf. We also put it on the top shelf so to make that one heated to the same way as, as the others. But even on that top shelf, there, that means a wire is going from that that shelf all the way down to the bottom, and the, all the wires from the rack go into a junction box. So on a full-size rack, you got to pull out work surface, which is kind of nice, actually. And all of the tubs on top of that work surface on one zone... And all of the heating on below that work, pull-out work surface are on another zone. And so in the back, 
right in the middle, you have two courts coming out of that rack, one for zone one, one for zone two. So you could have that on a dual zone uh, thermostat. So you can control the, the bottom boxes differently than you can control the upper bottom. The reason being is they're colder towards the floor. So if you've got a thermostat that can do that or two thermostats, you can run these a little bit little bit warmer than, than the top ones and then just make some adjustments that way. So all of our racks come in two different heating zones, number one, and every, every huh? No, that's that's interesting, and and um, calibrating your racks is something is something of an art, actually. Um, you're dealing with the, especially a lot of people say you know the, the, the tubs on the bottom are always a little cooler, and yep. uh, you know you have that's to right. run that's up here. We try to get yeah. these up off the floor as much as possible. They're up about seven inches off the floor, and quite frankly, if it was up to me, I'd put every rack or cage on a one foot pedestal. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, yeah. I mean, all, all the cages that we're building for for our own collection now, they're all on. They're not on casters. They're all on uh, a foot high pedestal, because it right. is so much. When you come, especially not so much with racks, but with cages, they're so much easier to clean and just easier to deal with and, and handle in a cage that's way low. The worst thing you could ever do is put a cage on the floor. Don't ever. I know. Don't I ever. Know. Do I like that. the. Or, I love that pull-out shelf in the middle. That looks like such a convenience. I'll tell you what, you know, if, after after you have a rack that's got one of those, you will never, ever have a rack that doesn't again. <laughs> Period. Because those things come in handy so often. I mean, I was just feeding a little teeny Amazon tree ball, uh, a pink here just a little bit ago. And, you know, you pull it out, you got your pink there, you got your, your hemostats, and you're you're ready to go. And it's just... There's so many uses for that shelf, and it's really kind of nice. It just pulls out when you need it pulls and, and pushes in when you don't need it. But another thing we do to kind of counter the cold floor problem, especially for people up north, is we put some extra spray-in insulation in the bottom um, level. So hopefully wow. to kind of stop that cold coming up, especially at night. Yeah, it's yeah. It yeah. Seems so like we got extra insulation through. on the bottom level. Just one of the things of our one of the features of our racks. Yeah, I, I deal with that here with my homemade uh, racks. It's uh, you know I have to keep the bottom level so, uh, you know like three four degrees warmer just to compensate. Yep. And yep. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it works. Yeah, it's but, you know, I'd rather when you really when you really get a uh, and one of the herb tools that I always recommend is probably the best herb tool I ever bought myself in all my years of, of keeping reptiles. And that's a heat gun. Oh, yeah. You know, mine, the one I have, is a, it's called a mini temp heat gun. And, man, I'll tell you what, that's why I don't like the open-air racks. I, and I'm not going to mention any named companies, but they're made out of metal. And, you know, you slide them in, and they've got, you know, they're going over a full-screen metal top. Well, yep. I, I've built... Racks. I've had racks like that made from those companies, and I've actually built racks out of this material that only only use the shelves. And, I, and in, the, in the corners of the shelves, I drilled holes and had uh, what's called all-thread rod. And it's you know, no sides, no back. And I tell you what, the, the temperatures not only varied from the floor to the ceiling, but they also varied from left and right and 
front to back. Yeah, there's too much escape. In, 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 in a not a good way. Right. I know. You know what I mean? Do you yeah, know what I'm saying? Absolutely. They look great, but as far as efficiency and uh, keeping the heat insulated and inside, it's just like the heat can go everywhere. It can just escape from all different angles. Oh, God, yeah, very, very inefficient. I mean, right. you know, if you've got a lot of cages and racks in a room, your electric bill can be pretty high. And you want to do everything yeah. you can to, to minimize that. But, you know, just for the consistency for the animals, these racks are, are far superior. And and there's a guy that's got um, uh, a whole, I mean, well over $100,000 worth of uh, racks in his, in his herp room that are made out of this material. that made them from a different company, but... He says, I swear to God, my breathing success is a lot better in these kinds of racks than in the open-air yeah. kind of racks. They really are. So mm-hmm. that's, yeah. why I, well, that's why I kind of went back to putting sides and backs on my racks. Well, I mean, that's that's part of innovating a, a product. I mean, it's, there is science behind it. There's, you know, trial and error. And, yep. You know, just yep. getting it just yep. right. And that's, that's important. Well, one thing is, one thing is true. You are using the most energy efficient heat tape, of course, and, you know, FlexLot, if you guys, I encourage anybody out there to do their own testing on these different heat oh, tapes. Yeah. Uh, energy efficiency is something, you know, that's important because, I mean, some of these products will just wreck your electric bill up like crazy, especially if you got oh, yeah. a bunch of racks and you're using the cheap heat tape, uh, you know, that's that's just going to, Oh my God! I don't know. You're, you're you know, if you're just crazy. starting and you just have a little bit, it's no big deal. But I mean, if you're into it, you know, and you're yeah. heating and lighting with light bulbs, like incandescent light bulbs, I mean, that that can really get expensive. I mean, <laughs> even those those ceramic heat emitters can can really pull a lot of juice. Oh, yeah. A lot cheaper, yeah. better ways to do it, and a, and it might add a lot safer ways to do it. You know, um, it just gave me a thought. Uh, a lot of people that breed bearded dragons, uh, you know, go through a lot of light bulbs, and these light bulbs are made in China. They don't last long, and they're very expensive. Um, you know, you can turn them on one day, and they just blow. They don't, they last a few months, and some of these bulbs are $40, really? $50 each. Oh, yeah. And But the bearded oh. dragons like that heat from above. If you could, what you're talking about with the radiant heat panels, if you could position the heat panel to aim down, and then use yep. maybe full-spectrum fluorescents, which are inexpensive enough and last pretty long, you won't have to invest in these cheaply made and very expensive full-spectrum bulbs anymore. You might be able to do it differently. And that's my next question to you, Paul. Do you, do you think you see yourself making innovations uh, for dragon owners in that aspect, maybe uh, making racks and cages specifically for dragon keepers? Well, we could. I, I have, Frankly, I've never thought of that, and I don't know how... Big the bearded dragon breeding industry really is. I know that sounds like a stupid question. So bearded dragons are everywhere, but yeah, but if there's three guys <laughs> that are producing ninety percent of them, then that's, there's not too yeah. much of a market for me because you know heat panels are not cheap. Well, I'm talking about. If I'm not mistaken, off, off of uh, Helix site, a, a mini heat panel, like eleven inches by eleven inches, which I use commonly. If I'm not mistaken, it's like eighty nine dollars now. Okay. If I if I buy enough of them, I, last time I bought a whole bunch of them, I got it down to like uh, like sixty dollars or something like that. But you got to buy a whole bunch of them to get them down at any 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 kind of price at all. So yeah. they are kind of expensive, so is, but you know, there again, I mean, 
Uh, I know the Jeff, Jeff, the owner of, of Felix, he, he was telling me one time somebody came to him and says, hey, man, do you have any seconds? Anything at all that's sitting around. He says, well, wait a minute. i got a stack of them that have been out outside, out back for like 15 years. Let's go check those things. Guess what? They worked. I mean, huh. radiant heat panels are, are like FlexBot. They, 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 they never, they don't ever seem to go out. Very, well, very, very reliable, just, durable product. I know it's it's good stuff. I mean, it's meant to, they're meant to, to last twenty years. I mean, a lot of times with these applications yep. where they put them under floors and under cement and stuff, you know, you want to put it under there and forget about it. You don't want to be digging up cement every decade or so and replacing it. It's got to last. And a lot of the now, all, all of my arboreal cages come standard with radiant heat panels. By the way. Oh, cool. Because I'm a really big yeah. believer in it. Because you can run branches right underneath them, and that animal can choose to be right underneath it where it's really hot, really bask, and or they can get over on it. And, and they, they they do really do have kind of a lot of fun messing with it. I mean, you, you'll see you'll watch like a condor or an emerald tree ball, and it'll, it'll just inch over, you know, throughout the day. It's really kind of really kind of funny, and you can turn it up on them and see how fast they move off and stuff. Kind of fun stuff, but. Um, yeah, I'm a big believer in heat panels. I love them. But that's I like cool. cool. I like my flex. What too. do you think? Yeah. Well, what do you think you're going to be doing for the um, for for that? What are you doing differently or special for venomous keepers? Well, again, I kind of don't want to let the cat out of the bag too much, but okay, I'm building or designing um, a. It's actually a hybrid between a cage and a rack. And it's got a permanent window on it, so it looks like a cage, but it actually slides out on on big, huge drawer slides, and it has a um, um, a multifunctional plexiglass top that has got a, some doors that slide and mm. some dividers, so you can divide animals off and go in and clean cage. Clean. I mean, you know, you're talking if you're keeping tie pans and stuff like that. You know, you want it ultra, ultra, ultra safe. And I haven't built one of these yet. I certainly haven't sold any yet. I don't know how many. I don't know what it's going to be priced. It's not going to be that bad. But, you know, I don't, I don't know how many will sell. I, I just primarily do it because it's really not a money thing. It's really a kind of a nobody really is making a lot of good housing products for venomous. And there's a lot of venomous keepers out there, believe it or not. Oh, yeah. And, uh there really are. They're they're really a, a very very well disciplined underground kind of an army, but they're out there, and some of this venomous stuff really sells for some high dollar. Mm-hmm. So we've got a lot of, of very rare stuff, huh? Some of them are just absolutely beautiful. Absolutely. Oh God, some of them are just gorgeous. But I, I've always personally, I've always been a python ebola guy, but you know my son's really into venomous, so um, I, I think we're going to be designing a, a shift box. And I've built several of them, but I'm not real happy with any of the designs. And so we're designing one that uh, you can go from bagging the animal to putting it in a shift box and putting it into the cage uh, all very, very, very safely. And one system that does the whole thing. And um, and these things can be shipped. They're not going to be so expensive that, you know, you get your animal that, so it's a green mamba. You you get the mamba in the shift box. You put the build build a tough wooden box around the shift box, 
So on the other end, when they get this animal, they get they're getting it in a shift box, and that uh, and they can go from putting it in a bag if they want, or putting it right in the cage if they want. Uh, and the other thing is, we, there's there's uh, YouTube videos of uh, a guy putting trying to put a black forest cobra in a trash can. So that's what venomous keepers typically use, the trash cans. Well, you know, all these elapids, especially the longer ones, five, six, seven, eight feet, what they do is they go straight up. So, I mean, there's a, it's a really kind of a funny YouTube video of this guy trying to, trying to put this thing in there, and it just keeps on coming up, coming up, coming up. And so we're going to be making a kind of a cleaning, holding thing to take place of the trash can where there is two doors, a door in the side and a plexiglass door at the top. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you, you can put it well, in the know, thing. That you put it, you put the animal in on the side if you're hooking it. That's just it. So, I mean, I've, I've always been fascinated with venomous stuff, but I'm afraid. I'm not, I don't think that I'm responsible enough to keep them. And maybe if there's maybe there's a lot of people out there that would like to keep certain venomous, but maybe they're afraid I'm too of aging. Old. I'm way too right. old to be keeping venomous. <laughs> Oh, my God, I'm an oh. idiot. Are you kidding? I did, out of all the stuff that we have, though, the only thing I won't hook are green mambas. And I, I'm telling you, yeah. those things go up. Uh, we've got this collection that's that's not part of the company or anything. It's, it's not here physically. Um, but um, they will go up a hook faster than water runs downhill. Let's put it that way. Um, so my oh, John handles them without any problem with the hook. Me, I'm I'm too old and slow. I I ended up throwing the hook down, and I said never again. So I either do them with tongs or in shift boxes, but they don't like to go into shift box. But but at any rate, um, wow, well, yeah. I mean, if, well, if the cage was built really safe, ball, I mean, I may even consider. I I would like to have a rhino viper or a kaboon. I love those, and I, they're not very expensive, but. No, you know, the gorgeous. I would only consider it if I felt completely safe, and you know, I just, uh, I don't know. It's just I've always held myself back from getting one. Well, we're trying as hard as we can to put as much thought into it as possible to keep people as safe as possible. Um, yeah, I don't care if, if if we're the only ones that ever use it. Then we, then we will have the the premier collection and, and facilities, you know, but. Um, like I said, my son actually, right before he had any of my products, uh, did not follow protocol one day, and uh, he got bit in the face by a uh, Western Diamondback. Just about oh died. My gosh. Yeah, oh. he walked out of the hospital six days later with nothing but a fat lip. Oh my god, it was just, that's crazy. It was just incredible. I mean, they called me and I flew in. He was he was stationed in in here in here in Oklahoma at the time and. Flew me in and everything. You know, we thought the kid was going to die. Uh, I mean, that there was, was a 24-hour vigil. Huh? That was your son, you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my. And, You're you know, how, do I, how does that make me feel? I'm, I manufacture reptile cages, and my son doesn't have any, and he's getting bit by a venomous snake. So Jeez. it was a complete God thing, man, all the way around. It was just amazing. I mean... This hospital here in this small town normally carries 12 vials. Well, a week before, somebody had messed up and uh, ordered an extra 12. And it just so happened oh. to take 24 vials. Wow. Oh 
Yeah, he drove himself to the, it takes an hour to thaw out one vial of antivenom, and it has to do it very, very, very slowly, very, can't not be any um, air hole, uh, bubbles or anything like that. So within an hour and 10 minutes, he drove himself to the uh, ambulance station. There just happens to be every single one of them in the county there for a big meeting. But they got him to the hospital within five minutes, and he was being administered antivenom within an hour and 10 minutes. And the doctor on on staff just happened to intubate him at the the exact right time. They said if he would have waited maybe even minutes or seconds more to do that, it would have been a whole different thing because his neck swole up so much. It makes doing tracheotomies and stuff like that a whole different ballgame. So, yeah, it's just a God thing all the way through. But, yeah, we're designing. um, We haven't come out with it yet, but we just haven't had time. Uh, a whole bunch of products just for um, just for venomous keepers, and I hope it sells. I hope they appreciate it. Um, I don't care if I ever really make any money on the thing, but um, hell, I mean, if we can keep somebody alive, it's uh, that's worth it for me. But um, yeah. you know, I, I don't and know. I, my, I would, my, well, sorry. And I would imagine um, you know your your son made some uh, changes and. And protocols and, and so yeah, forth you, after that. Yeah, incident. I tell you, we don't even go into that room if we're not in a good mood. <laughs> my and my and we've noticed this many many times, especially with uh, venomous snakes. We're dealing with some very venomous snakes. You know, by and large, there, and there are exceptions to this rule, but by and large, they're not animals that mean you any harm. They really aren't. And but, I mean, they're just so nervous that. You have to treat them very, very special, and um, it's, it's kind of a fun challenge, actually. But and uh, defensive, they're very defensive. Huh? They're they're very defensive. Extremely, yeah. But we found that what what happens is they play off, and, and you you could relate this to any reptile. They play off of your synergy. Now let me explain that. If I can, I'm not even sure that I can. How the animal reacts. The animal's reacting to you. And they're extraordinarily acutely aware of whether you are afraid of them or not. And how they respond is going to be how you respond. So you really, especially when you're doing something with some dangerous animals like venomous stuff, you really shouldn't be messing with those things if you're in a hurry. You've just had a fight with your wife. Uh, you're upset for any reason whatsoever. You're in a bad mood. Don't even go near them. Walk right out of the room. I mean, that's one of our standard protocols. You know, you got to be in a good mood, and you can't be in a hurry. And, I mean, that's where mistakes happen, because you cannot take the danger from it 100%, in my, in my opinion. I mean, there's 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 still going to be times. I mean, one of the most dangerous times actually is opening the door and putting food in, because some of these things are they have such a strong feeding response. You know, you open the door, that can be a very dangerous time. You know, you can have, and I've had animals, you know, right out on the floor, and you got to know, you know, got to be able to deal with them. So, you know, there's got to be a way to to make some sort of food shoot or. Uh, inner door, a door within a door or something like that, just to be able to, to pop that thing open real quick, a little teeny door, and put the food in. 
and get a shot, you know. So there's safer ways to do just about anything. Paul, um, do you have any plans uh, in the near future? Do you guys have any shows lined up that you'll be vending and and displaying uh, some of your caging? Well, you know, no. Um, I'm in Oklahoma for the for the short time being. Moved here from Charleston, South Carolina, and uh, our plans are move to move back to the East Coast. Um, I just like it a lot better. Um, around here, there is the Dallas uh, show. God, what is it? Urban? I can't remember. Um, big show, and we're going to be doing that here in the next year. Um, and there's actually shows in Oklahoma City. We're going to be doing those too. But to be honest with you, we just haven't gotten around to doing shows yet. And I know it's important. I know I know I got to get out there, but it's it's not a um, it's not a cheap thing to do. It's not like you know packing a whole bunch of deli cups with animals in them in your car and just driving to the show and putting them out on the table. It's a whole yeah. it's a whole big deal when you're when you got a whole bunch of cages. But I'm really looking forward to the point where where we we we're doing shows because that means I get to have a shirt with the name of my company on it. And my personal <laughs> philosophy is if you have a shirt with the name of your company on it, you're somebody. <laughs> I got an I'm idea. <laughs> I got an idea, Paul. Oh, go ahead. How about you send me one of your nicest racks and I'll bring it to the white plane show whenever I go. We talked about that before, but you, you uh, passed me off to the other guy and, and I never heard back from that guy. Uh, nice guy though, <laughs> Mario. What's his name? Oh, Mario. Yeah. Well, we're, Mario. Yeah, yeah. Did, he, did you contact him? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he might be too busy. I'll get on him. He's he's uh, he's got like a million things going on, so don't take it personally. I'll uh, yeah. I'll well, he does a lot of shows. I'd like to get hooked up with him. But yeah, I, I would not be averse to doing that whatsoever. Yeah, whatsoever. that's cool. Um, what do you think we can like do for more exposure? I mean, that's exposure costs money. Right, right, and it's, it's advertising. I'd like people to to see what you're building, and you know, get it, there's there's like a tactile thing to it, like you know, when you get to see it in person and touch it and pull out that drawer, and you know what I mean? It's like you, it's a whole different thing. It's just like a, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words. Kind exactly. Of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I mean, it's just these, easier these are, to sit home and, and post ads. Yeah, well, these are elite racks. They should be they should be shown off like elite racks. You know, they should uh, they should you should roll off the red carpet for these. <laughs> well, I, I you know I think once we come rolling in with our product, it's uh, the whole place is going to absolutely fall silent. I'm sure. Um, no, I, I think it would be pretty pretty impressive being rolled into a, to a room. You know, but uh, mm-hmm. we're just not there yet. We're just. We're a small company and we're we're growing, and uh, you know we're really focusing on just putting out the absolute best product we possibly can. Because in a year or two from now, after we've come out with a lot of these innovations we've been kind of talking about, I'm not really telling you much about what they are because I don't want anybody stealing my ideas. Um, we're going to be doing some things that have never been done before, and I really, by the time I'm done, I'm going to be able to. I'm almost there, not quite. Dude. I need I need just a little bit more time, but. Uh, I will be able to say I make the best reptiles, yeah, or I want to be able to say, at least in my opinion, I make or my company makes the best reptile cages on the planet. We we, we may be all broke doing it. I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. I, I I tie the church. I don't have to worry about finances. Uh, 
And uh, so my fan answers have kind of watched over, I guess. And ever since I started doing that, I haven't had haven't had one one financial worry since then, and my company's cool. flourishing. But yeah, and um, you know, I just that's that's our passion. You know, we want to innovate. We want to we want to have kick ass cages. You know, whether we make a lot of money or not, I think we're going to make some money because these aren't cheap. And I don't know. I just I don't I don't like giving my stuff away, but I don't like anybody walking away feeling like, you know, I would have taken their last dime from their mother either. And I've done right. business with people like that and I don't like it. And well, there's a fair you know, balance. Very, very you What's yeah, that? Yeah, and you, I said there's a fair balance in a business like that and you oh, know, yeah. if you can find that balance. Yeah, I mean, you want to be yeah, appreciated. Yeah, we've you all done business with people that every time you do business with them, you feel like you got snooked. You know, you got to go home and take a shower. I just don't want to be that guy, you know. That's not yeah. what it's all about to me. And I, I remember, you know, selling a hard good is, is much different from selling a, a reptile. Because when you're selling a reptile, people are calling you and they're kind of excited about that thing. They really want it. And, you know, they're buying cages because they have to. Yeah. Some of them are smart enough to say, you know something? Well, my philosophy is if you're going to be successful with, with any kind of animal, and not just reptiles or amphibians, but same could be held, held with birds or gorillas or butterflies. If you're going to be successful with animals, you're going to have to have two things firmly in place. And if you don't have them in place, you're not going to be successful. Or it's going to be something's going to fall apart at some point. Number one is your husbandry practices. Now, we can help you out with that, too, because I've been around a long time, and we're going to be doing a whole bunch of YouTube videos about care, kind of going back to the content marketing I was talking about earlier. We're making the content really, really exceptional. And the other thing you have to have firmly in place or you will fail is you have to have good facilities. Some people yeah. are smart enough to realize that, and some people realize that spending good money after bad is not a wise move. It's 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 really... I don't mean that as a pitch for my company, but as a pitch, if you will, for people spending good money in facilities. Because not not right. only do you need it to, to, to be successful, it, it, it yeah. makes your life one hell of a lot nicer. Pardon my French. But it really, mm-hmm. really does. You know, it, and, and to have a nice uniform appearance in your in your reptile yep. room is important. If you, everything's all your, your productivity I mean, I, actually goes up, right? You, you have it's like a feng shui thing. I mean, I've seen some of these guys on YouTube. They post their videos of their reptile rooms, and they got mm-hmm. mismatched stuff all over the place. It's a big jumbled oh. up mess. And I'm like, oh my god, how could you even work in that room? You know? And I guarantee um, you, if you go back to you go back through the guy's past, the person's past. There, there, there will be cases where this reptile died just suddenly, just weird. I don't know. This one died that I'm not even going to tell you about because I forgot to give it water for three weeks. You know, and this stuff like that. All kinds of stuff like that happened on those hodgepodge. And I remember when I was a kid, I, I was also into aquariums, and I read once that uh, in some old book, you know, a guy walks into this 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 really this aquarium keeper that really had their stuff together. And they said the rose, everything was perfect. Everything was just like the other thing, and all everything was uniform. And the and, and the productivity of that place was off the charts. Mm-hmm. And it's the same right. thing with reptile keeping. If you don't want to go into a room because it's too messy, you're not going to work in that room. If you don't want to, 
Uh, yeah. like, if you don't enjoy being in that room, you're not going to get anything yep. done. And, and and this kind of thing, your animals are going to suffer. You want to. That's one of the reasons why I'm. That, I'm, I'm Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, that's, that you, go ahead, Paul. No, that's one of the reasons why I really don't like black cages and racks. And, and mm-hmm. I don't mean to, to offend anybody or anything, but from my standpoint, um, granted, my my material only comes in white, but I wouldn't build it out of black if, if it did come in that because I don't believe in it because um, it's harder to see mice and stuff like that. But the other thing is when you have a room full of black stuff, it's really a, dark. It's really hard on your eyes. You go walking into a herb room that's full of this white stuff, very, very professional, yeah. very, very clean, very, very crisp. It's a whole different world. And it's a I world agree. you want and to be in. And it's a and kind of goes back to this. Huh? Right? I mean, as far as the animals go, I mean, there's no, in a lot of these rack systems, there's no built-in lights. So, I mean, even though some of these species are nocturnal, I think they benefit from from having a, a lighter environment. I mean, we're giving them hide boxes yeah. inside of their cages anyway. So I think I think right. the black racks are great in some cases, and I'm sure they work fine. I mean, I like the white myself, and I think it's it's going to be a person's taste that decides that factor. But I think from, from that perspective, having a white cages actually is better because the animals, more light is in there, and it's not absorbing yeah. the light. It's not... Diffusing it. I mean, and then if you want, if they need a hide, you put a hide box in there. So it's not like the yeah. tub itself is a whole hide. I mean, I, and you know, right. Paul, let me just ask you this: I've seen a lot of racks that have uh, tubs with that aren't even opaque; they're just solid color. I mean, these animals live in complete darkness all the time. I mean, is that good? No, it's not because all living all living things need a light and dark cycle. Right. I mean, if you, you look at it, the, the more. The more we get away from the way, and I, I don't mean to make this a religious thing, but the way God designed it is, is we have light and dark. We need yeah. it as human beings just as animals do. Um, and and, and I, <laughs> I, you're talking to a guy who used to breed um, Australian dwarf monitors, and uh, one of the big breeders of the time said, you know, keep your lights on 24-7, and you know, we did that and everything else, but kind of went through that phase. Um, I, I believe they do need a light and dark cycle just to you could probably be successful with it but if you're really talking long term success and really the benefit of the animal and the health of the animal and you, you know, from a business standpoint yeah maybe you could replace that animal and you know many many times over with what you would have put spent on electricity to keep them lit but uh, you know my thing is if your animal is really, really healthy and it's being able to experience some of its natural um, behaviors, let's say, uh, you're going to just have more success with that animal. And more than that, you're going to get a lot more enjoyment out of it. You know, it's the bottom yeah. of the line. Is if you don't enjoy it, it's, it's, it's not worth doing. It really isn't. And right. I have always found, I, I've been into collections that would have had killer animals but horrible facilities. I was there maybe a half hour. You know, that's it. I just don't even <laughs> want to look anymore. You know, and I've been in collections that had really, really nice facilities, but really not all that great of animals. And I walk out with a lot more respect for the guy with the facilities than I do for the guy that has a great animal and no facilities, you know, to speak yeah. of. So spending good money, and you'll spend good money on my stuff, by the way, 
it's not that expensive, but it's not cheap at all. Um, it, it's really, I can make a very, very strong argument that in my products, and I'm kind of feeling like a commercial here, but when you buy my products, you're actually getting more value for every dollar spent. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, it, it may cost 20 or 30 or 40% more than somebody else, but if it's a much, much, much better cage, then you're actually spending dollars more wisely. And just in the energy efficiency alone, I mean... Yeah, yeah well, yeah, but that's not all I had in mind, but yeah, but yeah just right. like that that helps too, but I mean... I'm going to get that plan. If, if, if nothing, if for nothing, that is really nice to have nice facilities. Yeah. It really is. As opposed to right. cheap junk stuff. And I, I believe me, I've had everything you can, and I've, I've built out of every material you could possibly build stuff out of. And, you know, the, the solid core plastic is, is the way to go. The only, the only thing that's better than this, quite frankly, is fiberglass. Hmm. And sometimes there have been people that I've known, um, the guy that puts on the expo down in Daytona, um, Wayne Hill, at one point in his herp room had a whole bunch of fiberglass cages made. They had to make a mold. It's very expensive, and there's no way to put them in a rack. They're not very um, – um, there's a lot of problems with, with manufacturing that and bringing it to market, but the inside surface of those cages are superior to anything, even even yeah. mine. But it, it's, it's just not a practical way to go about building cages, but Fiberglass would be the best material. But this, uh, while on the subject, let me also, if you've got a bunch of new listeners here, the worst material that you can ever make a cage or rack out of is melamine. Really? You know what melamine is? <laughs> I, I made a lot of my racks out of melamine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the worst material you could ever make your rack out of. Really? Why do you say that? Oh, God. Well, that 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 film that is on the outside of it, the white stuff, mm-hmm. that's hair thin, and yeah. it, it, it'll slow down moisture certainly to a great degree, I guess. But it's not; um, it's permeable, and moisture sooner or later gets in it. Now, if you're keeping leopard geckos, which are primarily a desert species, more than, more than anything else much more so than a tropical species, you know, or corn snakes or something like that, they're going to last a lot longer than if you keep, you know, tropical stuff in it. But right. still in all, it'll it'll swell. I know a guy who built a whole room out of this stuff for croc monitors in his basement once. Oh, my God, it lasted <laughs> less than a year. Yeah, because one mark you put on that stuff, and it just goes, to, I mean, they make it out of basically sawdust. That is, It's heavy as hell, too. Oh, God, yeah. Not even mentioning how heavy this stuff is. Oh my God, it, it's, it's horrible. It's horrible heavy. I know. Yeah. Well, my, one of my goals is to upgrade to good racks, and uh, I'll definitely be getting yours if I do. I like yours the best. And I mean, a lot of people are trying to build their little operations, and of course, cost is an issue. And there certainly was. You know, you really got to look at what what do I really need in a way of a rack. And it probably, unless you're a big, huge breeder, it probably isn't as much as you think. It probably wouldn't cost you as much as you think. And, you know, what was that saying? A cynic 
knows the price of everything, the value of nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, not too many big, big, big breeders um, buy these, this product. Because, it, it, you know, if you're really decking out a big room, it would be rather expensive. But most people yeah. aren't the biggest breeders in the world. Right. Well, you know, guys and gals. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's perfect for it's perfect for like mid-sized mid-sized breeders. Like yeah, and you know something, and... you know, most of the people that I sell to, to be honest with you, are people who are not the big breeders, not the big names, but they've got a nice little operation. They're dealing with stuff that they really love to do, and you know, if I'm going to spend ten, fifteen thousand dollars and deck out my little herp room, what the hell? Right. It'll be the last time I ever have to spend it. Right, and I'm sure the resale, resale value on some of these racks is still going to be good. I mean, to like if even if you I some people get so. in, I've never seen any. I'm not so sure that I've ever seen any on King State for sale. Well, not yet. I mean, you're, you're relatively yet. new, but I'm saying, yeah, some of these guys only get into it for a couple of years and decide it's not for them, and then you know they post all the racks for sale, and you know, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure they're still going to hold their value too because they're making. I think this industry is kind of a going through a thing like that. I remember. Years ago, we had a big thing, and everybody was breeding, and everybody, there were so many babies of everything that, I mean, this was many years ago, and everybody, a lot of people got out of it. It kind of cleaned the house, and a few years later, all these babies are really expensive now because nobody's breeding them anymore. And, you know, the market right now is is not the best. That's what's happening. A lot of people that got into this for the money are getting out. And yep. uh, those those of us that can endure and last may, may, depending on the economy, we'll see. Nobody can predict the future, but uh, if you can stick with it and uh, endure, then uh, maybe there'll be something better down the line. I mean, yeah, a lot of people got into it for the wrong reasons, and we've seen the prices drop on different things. But once all yeah. that dust settles, I think there'll be another uh, upswing. I mean, it's just I don't know. Well, I think a lot of people are, are getting more into what they really were into it. Originally, myself, I'm a, I'm a classic example. I got into it because because uh, I, I loved emerald tree boas and blood pythons. Well, guess what? I'm getting back into emerald tree boas and blood pythons. You know, yeah. and Amazon tree boas, things that I was into 30 years ago. You know, my original things that I really, really, really like. And I yeah. think there's a lot more people doing that. I mean, I'm getting a lot more requests for really custom big units that have control panels on them and all kinds of stuff like that. and So we're doing a whole bunch of stuff like that now, too. Yeah, one guy's That's got awesome. a, right, a Lamborghini and Bolin's pythons all over the place. And, you know, a lot of people that are out there that are like that, that have money, actually. You know, we're, we are a higher-end product. And uh, well, we, we know we're not going to... I'm sorry? There's, there's celebrities getting involved in this. There's always been some celebrities and... Uh, yeah. you know, yeah. people out there, and I have a couple customers that are uh, B-list uh, celebrities, more or less. And really, you know, they bought a yeah, yeah, they bought a couple nice geckos and and uh, stuff like that. And I don't, I don't talk about who they are because you know, number one of them right. made me right. sign right. a confidentiality agreement. Believe it or not, I was dealing with their agent or somebody that did that for them, whatever. Really? And, uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's interesting though because you know, if you can get in, if we can get herpetoculture out into um, the world of celebrities, and maybe some of these celebrities will start promoting herpetoculture positively. That's going to be a big win for us, I think. And 
You know, that's 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 where we need we need a good celebrity spokesperson. Is what that's exactly what we need. And yeah, uh, we don't have that yet. That's a good idea. Yeah. I can see where the industry would really really benefit from that right now. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. the recession started in 2008, and here we are in 2014. It's it's still on, and you know, I, I think a lot of this has just been so saturated. You know, there's so many people breeding ball pythons these days. You go to the show, that's all you see. You hardly ever ever even see colubrid breeders hardly. I know, not too many. You know, um, yeah, and the color, price of colubrids is way down. You know, um, my my friend Blake does a, does a really good business. He's got some good contacts, and he breeds some amazing colubrids, and he does pretty well. Cool. But a lot of guys, a lot of guys are not doing good out there. You know, it's yeah. just uh, yeah. It's a shame. It's a shame. The animals are beautiful. I mean, a beautiful Okatee corn snake should not be going for fifteen dollars. I mean, seriously. I mean, something like that should be at least worth fifty bucks, might. But I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, there's there's a lot happening in our industry right now. But you know, there's also companies like me out there trying to innovate things and bring some new oh, yeah. new stuff out. And I think that's pretty good. I think right. there's a lot happening. I think it's good. I mean. I think I think this industry is going through a little bit of a um, house cleaning. Yeah, and I, oh, it's, nice, really it's nice to see the, the cages that you're building. It's kind of um, you know the next step in the evolution of of racks and cages. Um, exactly. It seems uh, like anything else. You know, the the market kind of gets stagnant, and um, with the amount of time that herpetoculture has been, you know, evolving in this country it's kind of time for the next step and it seems like you're you're the one who's who's making that next step uh it's a conversation so. that dave that dave and i have had before and and that's why you know we're, we're happy to have you on the show wow um, thank you very much man i really appreciate that no no problem and and that's you know something else we look forward to to uh talking about more in the future we'd love to have you back and um you know, and let us know when when you got some more uh, models and stuff that you're that you're pumping out, and uh, we'd love to talk more about it. Cool, man. I'll do anything for a Hey, Paul. Back. Yeah, Paul. We're coming <laughs> to the end of the show. Why don't you Why don't you take this time to leave us with any closing remarks, and also to give out your information so folks can find you out there on online. Okay. Well, just to kind of recap everything, um, uh, the website is www www.protectcaging.com and that's P-R-O-T-E-K that's for professionalism and high technology and uh, we're in this business because I believe every deserver, every herper deserves good housing and I, I believe the animals do too and we're in this business so that we can make not the cheapest we're not out to mass produce things we're out to make really really good quality stuff for not only the animals, but for also the keeper, because that is really, really important. Um, that's why I, I like cages that are a foot off the ground. I know, yeah, you can get another cage down there, but, you know, kind of, it, it's kind of going beyond that, and sometimes less is more. And, you know, it, it gets me out of the bed in the morning knowing that I'm working on something that's never been built before you know, lighted racks and all kinds of stuff like that. And we're gonna yeah. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna give this uh, industry a shake up here in the next year or two. Uh we 
we're going to be coming out with a lot of stuff, and um, and uh, I hope it goes well. But I'm sure we, uh, we, hope uh, we can help you. Well, I hope so, man. I really appreciate being on the show, and uh, I hope we've uh, given a few gems to a few people, maybe uh, some new people who are just coming up and just learning how to keep herbs. If uh, I'm always available, um, you can go to the site and get a hold of me uh, or give me a call. No one calls anymore. <laughs> Everybody always just texts or emails. But uh, if you ever want to talk herbs, you need some advice on how to keep a herb or what you would keep a herb in or what I would recommend keeping a herb in, I've got enough experience to be able to handle that thing. And, and uh, we'll, we stand behind our products 100%. We're getting products... Awesome. Uh, we're getting products out the door pretty fast. Um, was a big problem of ours in the fast, but that's been corrected, and and uh, the product is um, has taken just leaps and bounds as the company has since the Australian deal came on, and and uh, they're going to have another order coming in January. So things are rolling, man. Things are rolling all all over the place, and um, uh, doing some good breeding on the side too. So getting back into that at the same time, building up a collection with my son. And uh, he's into venomous, but I'm into breathing some of these pure Darwin albino carpet pythons. Man, they're awesome. Oh, God, <laughs> they are so cool. And I hatched yeah, out some albino blood pythons for the first, and they're not even worth anything anymore, but I, I just dig the hell out of them. So, um, yeah. yeah, if you have anybody that has any questions, uh, send them along. You know, you don't have to be buying something to ask a question. So, uh, okay. if it's not right for you, it's not right for you, but uh, we should love to have you as a customer. Awesome. Well, Paul, we will we'll certainly have you back in uh, 2015, and uh, we'll see how, how what kind of progress you're making. And yeah, thank you fantastic, very much. Fantastic, fantastic. Anytime. I work cheap. Uh, six pack beer. I'm good for about two hours. <laughs> okay, cool. Thanks a lot, All Paul. Right, guys. Have a good evening. Thank you. Take care. All right. Bye bye. Um, oh yeah, one last thing, folks. Paul is giving um, a special discount uh, to Gecko Nation Radio listeners. Uh, anybody that. Uh, spends a thousand dollars or more with him, we'll get a hundred dollars off by mentioning his appearance on Gecko Nation Radio. Okay, so keep that in mind, folks. Uh, if you want to get, treat yourself to something really nice uh, for your animals and for yourself in the future, and I believe that's—I don't think he's—I think he's giving that. Uh, let's see, that's going to be good for a while. I'm trying to think how long he wanted to give that for. Um, I'll come back and after the break and I'll, I'll down somewhere. I'll come back and tell you exactly how long that author is good for. But uh, hey, Tim, thank you very much for co-hosting tonight, and uh, looking forward to next week's show or for the holiday bash and uh, our anniversary. Yes, yeah, going to be a, a good show. Um, I look forward to it and uh, have a good evening. All right, Dave. Okay, cool. I'll talk to you during the week, but thanks, Tim. All right, bye. Bye now. All right, folks, going to go ahead and play the outro, and I'll be right back with my closing remarks, and we'll play a really cool song. Hang tight. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. The jazz music you heard tonight was generously donated and created by Jeremy Turgeon of J&D Reptiles. Thank you very much, Jeremy, for the great musical pieces. You can check out Jeremy at J&D Reptiles on YouTube and on Facebook. 
and a very special thank you to our news anchor, graphic designer, and audio tech, Steve Barker. All the graphics, audio sponsor plugs, and music overlays were assembled by Steve. Check out Steve on YouTube at BC Barker Creations. He has some terrific videos for the herb community with amazing geckos and snakes. Please support the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance and U.S. ARC. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to support both of these organizations. Please donate to U.S. ARC so that they have the funds needed to legally protect pet owners' rights nationwide. You can donate to the U.S. ARC Legal Defense Fund at www.usarc.org. If you would also like to learn about advocacy and how you can take action on a state and local level, please subscribe to the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance newsletter and blog at www.usherp.org. All righty. Okay, yes, folks, about that discount from ProTech Aging, Paul is offering $100 off to anyone that mentions Gecko Nation Radio to him and with any order over $1,000 or $1,000 or over. He says or thereabouts, so it can be give or take 1000 bucks. And uh, it's good for a whole month from today. So today's the 7th till uh, January 7th, okay? So take advantage, folks. Uh, you can put an order in and, uh, you know, get a $1,000 rack or a couple racks and save 100 bucks. It might be worth it for you. And uh, you'll be getting some of the best racks being made today. Um, before I throw out my closing remarks, I just want to say uh, I love you, Elsa. <laughs> and I hope you have a good night. Elsa is one of our hardcore I think she's the the show's biggest fan, and she's always here. And uh, love Elsa. She's like she's like the cornerstone to Gecko Nation Radio in a lot of ways. So uh, thank you, Elsa, for being such a great fan. And um, closing remarks are this: uh, I really, really like uh, the show tonight. I really like what Paul's doing with his racks. I I'm the type of person that can certainly appreciate you know uh, things that are built well and constructed well. And uh, for the new folks out there, uh, there are definitely uh, products that are better than others. There's definitely uh, things out there that are safer than others. I, you, if you know anything about me, you see me online all the time uh, promoting FlexWatt and, uh, you know, trying to teach people, especially the new folks out there, what makes it the best choice for us, in, not only in energy efficiency but in safety. It really is that we can use statistically and uh, just the, the one that invented heat tape and can continue just continues to blow the competition away as far as efficiency and uh, safety and just, you know, it's got all these different certifications. It's made here in America. It's got all these things that you just want from an electrical product. And I am a broken record because I'm so passionate about it. And uh, it's just a product that I love so much that I basically am just thrilled to become, to have them offer me a job as a representative for them uh, for FlexLot. It's just, uh, it's a dream come true for me. So um, it's a product that's been in, that basically built this reptile industry. And it's definitely one that I stand behind. And a lot of the people in the community know the benefits of it and stand behind it too. And uh, it's just good stuff. So um, just want to thank all the listeners for tuned, who tuned in tonight and continue to support Echo Nation Radio. Um, I think having things like this, positive shows, and I think people that are positive in the community is what keeps the glue to this community strong. And I think that's so important, especially in uncertain times and times where it's stressful. Um, you know, negative Nellies, I call them, you try to 
try to, I hope these some of these folks become a little more enlightened and try to get a little more positive and try to help the community and do positive things. Because um, I think as a community, if we can all become a little bit more positive and just just do be kinder to each other, I think we can all succeed more. And I think we can all do better. Um, I, I understand the divide and conquer tactics in a lot of things, and I don't think we should fall into that. I think we should all uh, unite more and just be just be kind to each other. Just be nice. That's it. You know, treat each, each you know treat each other with mutual respect. You don't even have to be nice. Just be respectful of each other. And uh, we see a lot of things online that aren't always like that. And I'd like to see that change. And uh, I hope some of you guys can hear that and maybe take that to heart. All right. That's it for tonight. Looking forward to next week's show. And uh should have some really cool people calling in. And we invite all of you guys to call in um, and talk, answer some questions, talk about some different, um, you know, any issues or anything you guys want to talk about, any cool topics that you guys would think are appropriate. And uh, that's it. All right, everybody, I'm going to play a cool song. But first, just want to mention our amazing sponsors, of course. Dale's Beard of Dragons is the number one biggest reptile supply distributor at all of the Northeast Expos, ranging from Maryland to New Hampshire. And uh, just great people, great business to deal with. They're at all the shows uh, on the East Coast, so check them out. Dale's Breeder Dragons also, dalesbreederdragons.com. Excuse me. AD Dragons is the king of dubia roaches. Use the code GECKO, all in caps at checkout, and get your 5% off from Gecko Nation Radio. Geckoboa.com, that's uh, John Scarborough. He's a uh, master of wild types here in America and uh, does a great job with the different subspecies of leopard gecko and also a bunch of other rarer types that he's working with. Uh, and, of course, just amazing leopard geckos. John Scarborough, Geckoboa.com. Supreme Gecko. Supreme Gecko is uh, Wally Kern, and uh, he's uh, definitely working on some great projects, all kinds of stuff, from Cresties to Micro Geckos, and he was on last week's show. So check out Supreme Gecko, doing some cool stuff. All right, Tad from Un- Pat Uncapper from Ohio Gecko, also the owner of GeckoForms.net, working on some great tangerines, really cool geckos, good lines, good guy to deal with, and uh, definitely check out Gecko Forms if you want some good information. Rainbow Mealworms, that's your source for your feeders. Great source for mealworms, supers, waxworms, whatever you need. Check out RainbowMealworms.net. Julian Spence is awesome to deal with. She's a pillar in the community. Rainbow Mealworms. Reptiles Express, if you're shipping animals anywhere uh, in America and you want to do it legally and do it with a company that uh, has the best customer service for your FedEx labels, use reptilesexpress.com. Ask for Debbie Price, and she will teach you how to do it if you're not familiar with shipping. Ron Tremper. Ron Tremper is the king of leopard geckos, or the godfather, as we affectionately call him. And uh, Ron Tremper's given us the bandit, emerines, all kinds of tangerines, tangelos, Tremper albino stuff. Um, and he works with snakes and stuff. He's really just an amazing person in our industry. And uh, you can check out his apps. He's got Leopard Gecko Pro, Leopard Gecko Care. And um, if you can find this book, it, it's out of print, but it is uh, the best Leopard Gecko book out there. Um, it's, uh, it's hard to find these days. We talked a little bit about it early on, but... Uh, I'm sure he'll write another one in a year or two. So uh, check out leopardgecko.com. And last but not least, Mr. Dal Burton from Longhorn Geckos. 
Daryl and his Kate son are working on some amazing leopard geckos and our new breeder on the scene. And they have a Facebook page called Longhorn Geckos, and they're going to have a website soon, I'm sure. So check them out and give them a like and uh, keep an eye on their page. Great bandits, great pastel raptors, tangelos, super tangelos, all kinds of cool stuff. Great genetics. Uh, Longhorn geckos. All right, folks, I'm feeling like a little bit of heavy metal tonight, and how about some Metallica? What do you think? Yeah? Cool. Here it comes. <laughs> 